Oh, ain't it nice to be back in the studio, Carol? We're reunited now. That's right. Right where we started. This studio probably has a number, but I don't know what it is. Java, is this studio A, B, 3? Um, oh, Talk Suite. Yeah, we call it the Talk Suite. The Talk Suite. Welcome <laughs> back to the Talk Suite, Carol. Oh, Mal, it's so happy to be here in the Talk Suite with you and to see Java in the booth. It's been a long time. Can you talk sweet to me? I'm going to do it. (laughs) Well, for our listeners who only hear us and do not see us, we want to let you know that we are back in the studios here at MPB Think Radio. We've been gone for quite a while. Um, Like 15 months, Mal. 15 months. And we're so used to popping in the earbuds and and the basement and uh, wearing a pair of shorts and you know, maybe a baseball cap and rolling with it. But here we are, looking yeah. good, smelling good, and back live and back on live the radio. With Java and able to yeah, do a family hug this morning with right. uh, you and Java. It's great. So I thought this would be an interesting time uh, to ask Java to sort of recount the history of this show, because this is a historical uh, crossroads where we have returned to live broadcast from MPB think radio studios but this 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 show has has a history even longer than when we went into lockdown and when we started broadcasting from home java can you yeah share i don't that with i us? don't know if y'all even realize that you guys started in april on the first y'all malcolm and carol's first broadcast on deep south diner was april 22nd 2019 so you guys and then we went into our I guess our Zoom era or uh Skype era on March twenty third of twenty twenty. So you guys didn't even make a full year on the air before we went into lockdown and had to switch everything up. So it was this is it's it, it is like you said, Malcolm, a new crossroads that we're now back in the studio on what's today's date? June seventh, twenty twenty one. Right. <laughs> You know, another crossroads is that this week we passed 4,000 members of Cooking and Coping, which is our Facebook site that we started in the week we left the studio in March 2020. And uh, you and our friend Leanne Galt uh, and I talked about, you know, wanting to stay connected to our audience. And we never dreamed there would be 4,000 people from around the country and some from around the world who have formed a community through, you know, through what was really just our deep need to stay in touch with some of the people that listen to us. Yeah, and that's been a, a wonderful experience because, as you say, <clears throat> many of the people who are uh, connected to Cooking and Coping, the, webs- the, the Facebook page, are, are not people who necessarily hear the program every Monday. A lot of them do stream the program, which you can do. If, you know, a lot of pe- my friends my age often say to me, where can you hear the show? And I say, on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to turn on the radio uh, in your living room, but you can. Yeah, yeah, you can. But, uh, you know, this cooking and coping community is so cool. And anybody who thinks it's just high foo-foo food, you would be wrong. Like no. One of the greatest posts this week was from a former Jacksonian, Rusty Burwell, who lives in Virginia. And his side dish was Orida tater tots. Mm. And he got 
quite the you know quite the attention on the site. And for those who <clears throat> want to join us, just go to Facebook and look up Cooking and Coping. Start posting or start just watching. Yeah, it's it's easy, and we would love to have you. Yeah, and and you don't have to post a photograph of what you're cooking, but it usually works out nicely for people to see uh, the dishes that you've either cooked or <clears throat> eaten in a restaurant. Or uh, someone jokingly told me the other day that they didn't think anybody would be interested in what they had for breakfast. And I said, well, you'll be surprised. Yes, you'll be surprised. <laughs> you'll be very surprised how interested people yes, are people, in what you have yes, for breakfast. And what you have for breakfast, whether it's, you know, Vienna sausage and mustard or, you know, this week we had somebody that did like a crawfish eggs benedict um cheese mac, mac and cheese yeah there was a mac and go. cheese crawfish mac and cheese and i posted on there that whoever did that should bring a plate to java they should but yeah. there were some beautiful uh sausage and cheese biscuits like three or four people did those it was a recipe from the king arthur flower company so there's right. always something to learn people are very generous and share uh, their you know their recipes and their tips and they help those of us who aren't so great at cooking fix things that are broken or uh break things that are fixed yes exactly exactly <laughs> nothing wrong with that so one of the things i saw on cooking and coping this past week was was the chantilly cake came back you know yeah. someone said that they had seen us uh chatting about sharing about the chantilly cake I saw that, too. Yeah, uh, this is a giant paella, and it's made by Mike Wagner, our friend from Sumner, Mississippi, who grows two brooks rice. Yeah, he's the rice guy. Yeah, he's the rice guy. And it, it says he had friends from all over, like from California and Mexico, and he did this giant paella on the banks of Cassidy Bayou in Sumner. So I texted him back and said, how many does it feed, and how do you do it? And is he that a giant a, cast iron? Yeah, that's that's a giant paella pan. We're, we're looking at a photograph on Cooking and Coping website. The reason we're asking these questions of each other, she, Carol's showing me this this photograph. It's amazing. And you and John know a little bit about paella. Yeah, Don't from John. It? Yeah, John living uh, living over in Portugal in that that area of the country. But if I lived in Sumner, Mississippi, I would have been on the banks of Cassidy Bayou. But Don't they you know it. It feeds fifty to seventy people. Wow. So or the three of us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so what did you cook and eat over the past week or so? Uh, well, I didn't eat. Nearly as well as you did. Um, you know, my best dish of the week was whole flounder mm. uh, with stir-fried rice with everything in the refrigerator in it and charred roasted Brussels sprouts. But I saw that you have been to Florida, and the picture I saw on Facebook that your wife posted looked, looked like y'all were having a pretty swell dinner. Yeah. We had a lot of good eats uh, while we were down in the Panhandle. Uh, we go to Grayton Beach, um, and, and a lot of people know that area as 30A. It includes Blue Mountain, uh, Grayton, Seagrove, uh, Seaside, uh, Watercolor, uh, Rosemary Beach, Alley's Beach, and Inlet Bay, or Inlet Beach. So it's a, a, a rather broad area where many people from <clears throat> our listening uh, area go in vacation and and I've been going to Grayton Beach 
since the 1980s when Bob and Linda White. You used to have a house there. I had a house there. And the way I found out about it is that Bob and Linda White, uh, Bob from from Meridian, Linda from Jackson, they went down there to work one summer at a restaurant in Grayton Beach called the Paradise Cafe. Billy Brown also went down there. And we went to visit and for the first time laid eyes on this this turn-of-the-century beach community called Grayton Beach. And many people now know about the Red Bar. It's in the physical place where the old Paradise Cafe used to be. But anyway, we ate a lot of great seafood. Uh, We had mahi-mahi. We had red snapper. We had lots of shrimp. We had crab meat. Uh, We ate at Basmante's, which is a great restaurant, an Asian Asian theme, Asian inspired. Well, you know, the Red Snapper have been running. In fact, uh, our friend Neil Strickland was down there this week fishing for Red Snapper off Pensacola. And uh, I I bet that there was whole Red Snapper on many a menu. There there was Red Snapper everywhere. And and we also had some grouper, which you can often find in that part of the world. Uh, So anyway, we had a, a great time doing little or nothing, uh, and uh, eating a lot of great seafood. But when we got back, we cooked some lima beans and some squash. And uh, when I got home, I had like a dozen ripe tomatoes on my vines. You know, I got my tomatoes in early this year, and lo and behold, this is my second harvest already. Well, I saw a picture of a tomato sandwich. I saw the Hellman's mayonnaise, the white bread, the tomato, and man, did it look good. Well, you know, I opened up Pandora's box uh, with that photo because you know what happens when you pick a mayonnaise. mayonnaise wars. The mayonnaise wars reared their ugly know, or beautiful head. I know, and you head, put it right you... out there by putting that jar of Hellman's. I mean, you were asking for That's it. That's right, and every other comment. Some comments were about, isn't it great that we have tomatoes? Isn't it great that, you know, we live in a place where we have an abundance of fresh tomatoes? But every other comment was about, I don't use Hellman's. I use Duke's or I use Blue Plate or I use this or that. And I was like, okay, fine. Well, a man is known by his mayonnaise. (laughs) Yeah, I think Aristotle said that, right? Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so I had a a bacon and um, tomato sandwich, and I got a little bit of uh, grief from a number of people who wanted to know where the lettuce was, or by some people referenced, (laughs) where's the L? Where is the L in the BLT? I left the L out. I think that could be a song. (laughs) So, you know, we set off the Mayo Wars, and we we had... uh, Patrons of L speak up about when you make a, be- a bacon and tomato sandwich and you put Hellman's on it. You're gonna, you're gonna. Well, and your bacon looked crispy, very yeah, I crispy. Love crispy bacon. Yeah, Baked bacon. It looked thin and crispy. Yeah. All right. So one of the things that's going on uh, here in uh, Mississippi, and this takes place at the Ag Museum, coming up on Saturday, June the twelfth, is a fun-filled, family-friendly. Mississippi Pickle Fest. Now, I got to tell you, this is near and dear to my heart. Well, I know it is. You are a man that who loves a pickle and but, makes a pickle. But beyond loving and making pickles, my first job was picking cucumbers for the Brown Miller Pickle Company in, in Wiggins, Mississippi. Wiggins. was then the largest pickle factory in the world. Golly, Malcolm. 
I had totally forgotten that you grew up in the land of pickles yeah. in Wiggins. I was a pickle picker. <laughs> <laughs> now, how many pickles did Malcolm White pick? How many well, let, pickles did the pickle picker pick? Well, let me just tell you about this business, folks, because it's brutal. These people want the small cucumbers. But in order to make any money, you had to pick the large ones because it's all based on how many pounds you pick when you go up to the bursar's office with your bag. You better have some weight or you don't make any money. So uh, I hate to admit this, but I was taught a trick early on in the pickle field, in the in the cucumber field. That is, you pick a bunch of them big fat ones and you put them on the bottom and you fill up the top with those little bitty ones and you take it up there and they weigh it and you have a shot at making a little bit of money. Well, <laughs> you did good, Mal. Put, put my finger on the scale. Yeah, you did. And and yeah, despite all of that hard labor, you still love a pickle and you love to make a pickle. I do. So we invite everybody to attend the Mississippi Pickle Festival at the Mississippi Ag Museum on Saturday, June 12th, uh, right here in Jackson. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. I remember last year, seeing this and i didn't get over there but by golly i'm gonna make it this year and if you can believe it last year guys they actually ran out of pickles no of course. they they they, un, they undercounted so i think this year they're going to be they're going to be ready yeah you you can't go short on pickles at a pickle fact uh, festival well have you had a chance to to try the fire and ice pickles yes. that you, i gave you, gave you for your birthday me. they are fantastic gosh they are wonderful oh. uh, i got them for you at the flora butcher but i'm sure they're around Somewhere, and they're made by Fat Mamas in Natchez, Natchez right. but that's one of the best hot pickles I've ever had. It's a little sweet, but I do like it. I love all kinds of pickles, so yes, I've There's some fire those. in that pickle. Hey, right before uh, we went to Florida, uh, Leon Galt uh, and Hubert Worley and, and uh, Curtis Wilkie and a, a handful of friends went up to uh, Greenwood and had dinner at Lusco's, and man, was that good. At Lusco's, uh, it's, it's still rocking and rolling. They're only open on Friday and Saturdays now, but uh, if you get a chance, go up and see them. Yeah, and I, I want to hear a little bit more about that at some point. Wondered if y'all flipped any butter pats on the ceiling. <laughs> they don't allow that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've done a lot of things that aren't allowed yeah. anymore. Yeah, that's true. All right, it's time for our first break. When we return, we'll talk to Chat Phillips. He's coming on the show. He is the founder and CEO of Inaka Tea Company, which is the first bottled grain tea in North America, right here in Mississippi. We'll talk to him about starting a company during the pandemic, and we will also try live on the radio Inaka Tea when he's here. Without so, slurping. <laughs> so get ready for some tea. Carol and I'll be right back. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. Welcome back to Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Carol Puckett, Malcolm White, we are your hosts today. This is a show all about the culture of Southern, southern flavor. flavor. And we're going to talk about the Southern flavor of tea. 
here in a minute. But first, we have a caller. Java, do we want to take our call and then talk to our guest? All right, we got a caller from Tremont, Mississippi. Hey, Joey, what's going on? Hello, people. Hello. Hello, Joey. Love your show. I love your show. Y'all were talking about picking cucumbers <laughs> when I was six years old. I picked cucumbers laying flat in a trailer. And mm. the easy long you pick the cucumbers. Ah, oh, so the trailer I, moves and you pick as you go. And so yeah, you, well, you are on the side, track. you're laying down over the side with your head hanging over the, no, the ma'am, trailer. You're you on the tail end of the trailer. Oh. And he's up a couple of feet and you pick and pick and you didn't get, you had to, they so, you know, they had a, a standard size. Right. If they're too big or too little, you didn't get them. Six years old, you know, you wouldn't bear discriminatory then. <laughs> and I think I got three cents a pound to pick them. You know, that sounds about right. I just remember picking all day and into the evening and making, you know, 60 or 70 cents. <laughs> it was kind of rough back then. Joey, where were you picking pickles by the pound? In Tremont, Mississippi. Tremont. On North Patton Flat. All right. That, what county is Tremont in? Alcorn? Itawamba. Itawamba. It's one of the five counties of the Northeast Mississippi Community College District. Hey, yep, as Pelver says, the icebox. The icebox, that's right. Well, Joey, we sure do appreciate you listening, and we more importantly appreciate you calling in, talk to us about picking cucumbers, and that's interesting, the style that uh, he's referring to, of, of hanging off the back of a trailer and picking. You know, we, we sort of drug a sack down the roads and picked during my brief time as a cucumber harvester. Anyway, such is life in Mississippi. There are many pickle pickers in our midst. Picking All pickles right. by the pound. <clears throat> Grain roasted tea is something that is pretty hard to find in these United States. Uh, it's a very popular style uh, in countries like Japan. And we are excited to have the CEO and president of the Inaka Tea Company, Chat Phillips, is with us. Chat, welcome. Thank you for having me. Perfect pronunciation, by the way. You must have spent some time in Japan. Uh, no, Java uh, takes care of all pronunciations. <laughs> and I have to give credit to Miss um, Stevie Phillips for getting, nailed me, it. for getting me right. Good, good. <laughs> yeah, so Inaka Tea Company, we are the first bottled barley tea company in the country, and we're based here in Jackson. So, as you said, barley tea is really commonly drunk in Japan and Korea. I used to live in Japan, which is where I first tried it and absolutely fell in love with it. I was a college student traveling for 24 hours in the heat of Japan, which is very similar to Mississippi, by the way, except without central air conditioning. So when I got there, I was covered in sweat, and I was passed a bottle of something that looks familiar to what you see in front of you, and it was barley tea, and it was something that was instantly refreshing and felt like a manna from the heavens because I was awake for 24 hours and just sweating. Well, it looks a lot like sweet tea in the bottle. And that's what I thought when I first tried it, but it tastes completely different. So what you do is you take a barley seed and you roast it like a coffee bean. Mm -hmm. And that brings out a lot of the caramel, sweet flavors of the barley. And then you make a tea out of it, so it's naturally caffeine-free. It's got a lot of antioxidants, and it's supposed to help with like your circulatory health and to cool you off in hot summer days. So you grew up in Mississippi, I in did. the Delta, I believe. I did, Yazoo City. So I grew up on a catfish okay. farm. All right. Yeah. 
raised on catfish farming and ended up in the tea <laughs> in business. the tea business. Wow, this, we'll connect those dots. Yeah, it's a it's quite a long road. I'm sh- I'm sure you could sell a knock of tea at the catfish festival. I think we could, and it would it would make a lot of sense. But you know, I know in Japan it's served as a cold drink. That's right. But the Koreans also serve it hot. That's correct. So in Korea, typically you drink it with your meal, sort of a digestive aid, end of the night, helps you sleep kind of drink. Uh, but it's both. It's good, both hot and cold. Stevie and I, we heat it up in the evenings if we wanted something warm that's not uh, doesn't have any caffeine in it. Well, where are you located? You say you're in Jackson. Yeah, where so our headquarters you? is actually on State Street. Okay. So right now we are just basically a headquarters and a warehouse operation in Mississippi. Since we are the first people in the country to do this, we really had to build the supply chain from the ground up. So right now we're working with a specialty grain roaster, and we're working with a tea facility, and we have a warehouse in Madison County. So we're kind of all over the place, all over the country, trying to get this right. You know, the hope is to build up enough of a market to move production to Mississippi. So you don't grow your own grain, right? No. No. The farthest south that barley will grow is about North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you compete with the with the beer makers for this barley? Uh, a little bit. So the person that roasts our grains, they are supplying to the beer industry. But mm-hmm. this is an unmalted barley seed, which is a completely different product than what beer and vodka makers use, for example. Oh. Yeah. Well, we're, we'll notify our listeners that we have several <laughs> samples of tea here yeah. uh, in, in the studio, and we're going to open those up. Sure. And uh, if you would tell us each Absolutely. one you're opening, a little bit about it, and pour us a little taste. Sure. And Carol and I will be live and in person <laughs> tasting tea. No slurping. Right. No slurping. Yeah, I didn't think slurping made good good for radio. Uh, so we have three flavors. The first one I'm going to pour you is just the original unsweetened version. That is made with just roasted barley and a little bit of roasted corn, actually. <laughs> the roasted corn gives it a little bit of sweetness without having to add any sugar to it. And that was something that I learned from my host family in Japan. So what were you doing in Japan as a college student? So I started out, uh, I took Japanese as a college student just sort of on a whim. Um, didn't really have... And what college was this? University of Puget Sound in Tacoma, Washington. Okay. Wait a minute. Say, How'd you end up out there? <laughs> I can say the road is long to the, to the tea <laughs> business. Uh, so I started in boarding school in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and then I became... That would be Baylor? A Macaulay. Macaulay. Okay. Macaulay, the other side of the tracks, essentially. Uh, and so I became a little bit of a hippie and wanted to go out west. And I was one of those kids that thought, you know, once I left Mississippi, I'd never come back. So I went out west and took Japanese and decided, you know, I have a knack for it. I might as well use it and studied abroad there. And then eventually I came back to Mississippi and did economic development, worked in the Mississippi Development Authority, recruiting Japanese companies. I thought you worked at MDA. Yep. I was a young project manager, whippersnapper walking around. Well, I, I remember you because your name is so unique. Sure. Um, and I remember, it may have been when I was the tourism director. It was, yeah. I think we overlapped for a little bit there, there probably about go. a year. Yep. See, see how small the world is, Carol? It is so small, Malcolm. But, I mean, what what a great story to go from Yazoo City to Washington to to Japan. To Japan. So, and going back to the tea, one of the things that you'll notice is it has a lot of those coffee-like flavors. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a little bit of that caramel, chocolatey flavor from the roasting process. Uh, but like I said, we brew it to be really refreshing and something that you can drink in the summer. Okay, so the one we just tasted. That's the original unsweetened. Unsweetened. Mm-hmm. Carol, your thoughts? I think I think it's delicious. <clears throat> you really can. It, it has kind of a roasted note on mm-hmm. it. I mean, almost coffee-like, but it's thin and tea-like and refreshing. And you, I didn't really want any sweetener mm-hmm. or anything in it. it it's... 
It's very well balanced. Right. We The thing that I like about it and the way that we brew it is a lot of times tea has that sort of astringency uh, yeah. that can be a little bit cloying right. when you drink it. But ours is really, really smooth, I think. The first thing I noticed was refreshing. It mm-hmm. instantly uh, quenched my thirst. Mm-hmm. And when you on the radio, you, you <laughs> often get very thirsty because you're doing sure. a lot of talking and uh, you don't really stop to drink. But I instantly... Uh, was refreshed with this flavor. That's now, good. it does not <clears throat> seem to remind me much of traditional southern tea with the leaves and the Sure. It, it's very much much more like maybe cold coffee. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is that's that fine. All right, so what's the next one? The next one is, and we're just going to move in this way. So this is the mint. So the mint version is using the base that you guys just drank with six grams of organic cane sugar. So it's a little bit sweeter, but it's not too sweet, and organic peppermint. But we want to be sure that people understand that Chad is not trying to replicate his grandmother's sweet tea. That is correct. Totally that different product. That would be heresy. That would be heresy. I would never do it. Now, this is called? This is just Inaka mint tea. Mint. Yep. Yes. Well, this is a mint-themed day because Felder stuck his head in the door a minute ago. He yes, had a handful mint. of mint. Yes, we've got to save time. But Malcolm, like we do in you know, wine tastings, mm. I think we have to swirl and sniff. Oh, really? <laughs> Get your nose and stuck then, down in yeah, there. we talk about mouthfeel. Mm. Well, that is really good. I love mint, and I love mint tea. So, uh, delish. Yeah. And I think the sweetener, it makes it not too sweet. And it's sweet. not even really sweet. No, it's, it's not. not. It really just acts as a bridge between sort of the mint flavor and the roasty flavor to kind of help bring <clears> those two together. It kind of brings out the chocolatey flavor mm-hmm. of the grains to me. It, the, the roasty flavor is very well balanced. Mm. I mean, it could be... Overwhel- overwhelmingly roasted. Right, right. It could be. And so, do you want to move on to the last one? Yeah, yeah man, that's going to be my favorite. All right, so I the last tell. one is the ginger, uh, which this one, so sometimes, so barley does contain gluten. So, we wanted to make a version that was gluten free for those of us who cannot drink gluten. Uh, so, this is made with just corn, which is a Korean style tea. So, we roast corn just like we do barley seed, and then organic ginger. Well, I know that ginger is very soothing for people with stomach problems. That's right. And, you know, I, I was reading about the the tea, not not just yours, but about the Korean and Japanese mm-hmm. concept. And it it's really for relief. People use the barley tea for relief of stomach pain, sleep problems, um, and preventing tooth decay. That's correct. Yeah, that's right. Pretty interesting. Yeah, and, and I love... Um, different teas for relaxation and um mm. and i see that it, it is a calming agent this it is so we've there have been studies that have shown that barley tea in particular contains trace amounts of melatonin the thing that's in turkey and wine that helps you go to sleep after a big thanksgiving right. dinner so it has the same exact thing that helps you relax at night so the big question is where can our listeners find you absolutely tea? so we are sold in corner markets in jackson and hattiesburg we're in Kroger statewide. Uh, you can find us in Kroger in the sushi section. And we are actually sold online via our online store. So inakatea.com, I-N-A-K-A-T-E-A.com. And as of today, we are launching free shipping. Well, wow. I, I, I went to your website. It's a great look inside. It's Thank you. simple, easy to follow, and um, I can't wait to order. So if someone wanted to witness the making of this tea, is that possible? Mm-hmm. It, or is that done somewhere else? It's done somewhere else right now. Uh-huh. I'm always happy to show people how to make barley tea at home. And, uh, you know, if anybody wanted to reach out to us and, and learn more about it, they can follow us on social media or on Instagram, Inaka underscore tea, and Facebook at, at Drink Inaka. 
Well, uh, I know that the name means countryside yeah. in Japanese. So, you know, talk about how you, sure. with your background, how you came to that. Absolutely. So, as with anybody, naming a company is kind of a, a difficult decision. But we wanted to pick a name that paid homage to both where I grew up and kind of our roots in Mississippi and also where we tried it for the first time. So, I tried it for the first time in very, very rural northern Japan. And Inaka is a Japanese word that is a little bit tongue-in-cheek. It's kind of like countryside, hometown, place of origin. Um, so when I came back and started this tea, it was important to me to start it in Mississippi. So I wanted to tie those two things together. Now, when did this idea germinate? Is it when you first visited it and, and tasted it? Or was it no, later on you thought, I'm interested in economic development and marketing and, and entrepreneurship? Hey, right. I remember when I was in Japan. I mean, sure. Is that... Well, so actually what happened, I was not looking for a business. Uh, I was looking for a drink, and I just missed. This was something that I brought, filled up my suitcase with when I came home from Japan. Uh, and obviously, you could not find this in Mississippi when I mm -hmm. was here. And so I just bought barley seeds myself and then roasted it on a skillet in my kitchen and just brewed it for myself, thinking no one else would drink it. My girlfriend, now wife Stevie, would come over, and uh, I gave it to her. At first, she was a little bit hesitant about it. She didn't know what to think about it. But then she started asking him when she came over. And then uh, at a certain point, we had friends who would taste it, and they wanted some. So I thought, okay, maybe we can make a business out of this. And to my surprise, when I looked up, if anybody had done this in the U.S., no one else had done it. So I thought, you know, I don't know anything about the beverage industry. I don't know anything about um, making tea on a commercial scale, so why not? Let's just do it. So the plan was to launch in March of 2020. Uh, the world had different plans for us, so we <laughs> eventually got there in October. Well, yeah, you know, launching during the pandemic was a, a brave, very brave thing. <laughs> or stupid. Yeah, well, it looks like it's going well for you. But, you know, this to me is really the golden age of beverages. Mm -hmm. When right. you go in a grocery store, whether it's Kroger or Whole Food, and you see the square footage that's devoted to similar mm -hmm. teas, kombucha, um, right. you know, all of these Helpful beverages, yeah, I think you launched it great. Right. And uh, to be honest, the shelf space that we're on in, for example, Corner Market did not exist five years ago. Like you said, with the kombucha right. shelves, we're right next to that. And people, are, I think, are much more health conscious in their purchasing decisions for beverages. So um, you make it at home, but you also manufacture it now right. with, with some sort of partnership, I right. assume. And, uh, but how did you deal with the bottling, the the safety and health? Did you use like Mississippi State's uh, research center? How did you get right. from concept to a bottle that could be in a store in Jackson, Mississippi? Sure. So uh, like most people, I think I started out with a homebrewed version of this and uh, went to the State Department of Health and kind of asked them what the process would be. I realized very quickly that I could not brew this at home and bottle it and put it on the shelf in Kroger without seeking the proper approval from the FDA and things like that. So I basically took my recipe and I traveled across the country looking for tea manufacturers, tea bottlers, and there are very few, and there are even fewer who allow barley to be run on their systems. So I finally met someone in Texas who um, would take my custom roasted grains and would brew it with us. So I'm, I'm there brewing it with them, bottling with them. And then, of course, finding the bottles and the caps and the labels, that's a whole different process as well. So it's a long, you know, typically you work for your manufacturer to get the proper approvals and things of that mm. nature. Wow. So are you yourself working on the supply chain, or yes. do you have somebody? I am the CEO, chief marketing officer, warehouse manager, <laughs> supply chain. All of that. I'm everything. All of that. I'm everything. And, of course, my, my wife, Stevie, she helps when she has free time as well. 
Well, your background working for Mississippi Development Authority really you know, comes in handy. Right. It absolutely does. Absolutely. Has the state of Mississippi been able to help you or do anything? Not yet. I think when the time comes, we'll, we'll be able to do something. But since we're such a small operation right now, um, we're, we're still just a one-person operation with a warehouse. I think when the time comes, uh, there's no reason why they would not be supportive right. in that. Well, Chad, thank you so much for coming and uh, sharing your tea with us and your story with us. Chad Phillips is the CEO and president and chief bottler uh, <laughs> at Inaka Tea Company, a Mississippi exclusive. Uh, you know, you're the only uh, bottler, that's tea right. maker uh, in the United in States. In the United States, of, doing of this, this variety. That's exactly right. Thank you so much for having us. It was a blast. Yeah. And we'll keep up with you and we'll have we'll you keep, back. And we'll support you and we'll drink the tea. Oh, good. Thank you. All right, it's time for a break. When we come back, we'll have the Gestalt Gardener here uh, himself, Mr. Felder Rushing, will join us and talk a little bit about Southern Produce Gardens and what's growing and what tips he can share. So stay tuned. Carol and I and Felder and Java will be right back. Thanks, Chad. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Hey, 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 you're listening to Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Carol? Someone has joined us in the studio here that I think everyone who listens to public radio in the United States of America is familiar with. Welcome, Felder Rushing. Howdy. Good morning. Good morning. I love that guy from Tremont. (laughs) You know, it's one of the beautiful things about MPB is we love being from the South and we embrace it. And one of the things we do in the South is we eat and we share and we grow a lot of what we eat. 2.9 million storytellers. That's what Mississippi exactly. is. <laughs> you know, if you ever met anybody from Mississippi who didn't have a story to tell? You know, it is. I mean, I'm a retired extension. I can talk for 45 minutes about a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> by, by the way, how can, how can you say you're a gardener without saying you're a gardener? You can looking at your looking fingernails. Looking at your fingernails. <laughs> I've been there the, you go. The, 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 the garden pirate. I've been gardening. Well, looks like you've been gardening. I dug, dug some stuff when I came in this morning. Yeah, we appreciate the, the bouquet. Why don't you describe uh, for our listeners what you brought Well, I've got, I've got some white Irish potatoes that I grew. And, Irish. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just, I just pulled them up to make room for some summer stuff. I've got some jalapeno peppers, which I like. You know, they're not really hot. They've got good flavor. And I've got some, some, uh, some herbs. Some I say, herbs. I say herb with an H because it's got an H. Hmm. I see. But anyway, rosemary. You don't say oib. 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 Well, the French say herb. That's okay. But British say herb. But anyway, I've got oregano, <laughs> oregano, pardon me, uh, rosemary, mint, and thyme. And I think those are the classic plants that people Someone should Someone should grow. write a song about that. <laughs> Well, they need to add the parsley and sage. Oh, true. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got I've got those, as a matter of fact. I've got that. And I've been to Scarborough Fair. Yeah, I'm sure you have. You probably spoke there. But uh, in, anyway, this is, you know, so many people have started gardening. You know, you guys know, the last year because of the pandemic, so many people put these little boxes in the garden. Because I walk around all of our neighborhoods and little boxes of some, some, some dirt, some potting soil, and people growing stuff. And those who did it sort of dabbling, 
it may not have worked out and they gave up, but those who persisted and kept planting stuff, their gardens this year are knocked out because they learned last year. Yeah. You know, Mal has a garden over on Gillespie Street. I do. And he's already got some neighbors coming. I've had two two pickings already. Of, of I, I got in early. Well, I've, and I've, took some advice, which is, you know, helpful. Well, well, here's some advice from a garden expert who's not that great a gardener. Take a Sharpie pen and grow a smiley face on some of those green tomatoes in case the squirrels get them before you do. At least you've got those to look at while they last. <laughs> you know, gar- gardening is the process, not the product. Right. Well, now, this is the second summer in a row that you've not been overseas. You mm. usually spend your summers in Europe, mm-hmm. right? But because yep. of the pandemic... Yeah, might get over there. We'll see. Did you plant more of a garden since you've been sort of grounded? I, I did. I, I, you know, I plant a few tomatoes and a, a few pepper plants, and I, I have some okra and some sweet potatoes. And if if I if I end up going for three months, okra and sweet potatoes, they look good as sort of as flowers, but they will make something without any care at all. Right. So many people will ask, would want to ask this question: Is it too late now to plant a summer garden? Uh, it's getting too late around the first of August. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because then, then it's too late. That's you know, really here, good to hear. Here in the south, I mean, Carol, you know, here in the south, we have time to have two complete back-to-back planted to harvest summer gardens, and then we grow stuff in the winter, the fall and the spring. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people found that the pepper plants that they set out in July or August actually produced better in the cooler weather of the fall than the ones that struggle through the summertime. So uh, most old-hand gardeners aren't going to plant like farmers. They're going to plant, you know, when they harvest something, they turn it right around and replant something and have it going right. on. And that's the advantage of container or raised bed, which is what a lot of our listeners do. Yeah. Yeah. We got a caller from North Mississippi. Chico from Oxford is calling. He wants to talk about tea, hitchhiking, and love. Keep Hello, it clean. Chico. Keep it clean, Chico. Good morning, y'all. <laughs> hey there, Chico. Hey, I, I need to talk about tea, hitchhiking, and love. Yesterday. This is one of the few places where you can do that, so go right on. Yeah, and, there, and there's a joke that involves all three. <laughs> is it radio friendly? No. <laughs> it, okay. I, I'm, it, it involves my beautiful redheaded woman, so I'm going to try and keep it clean. Uh, yesterday, we drove up to Memphis, which as y'all know, is, as Jimbo Mathis says, is the capital of North Mississippi. And uh, we went to see Jeffrey and the Pacemakers play at Lafayette's Music Room. And that that restaurant bar, famous music hall, just during their performance once a month, they have a sandwich called the Yellow Submarine because Jeffrey and the Pacemakers are a British invasion band. And they have a Yellow Submarine sandwich, a fish sandwich, and it's wonderful. But my story is we left there, headed to the original Hueys on Madison to have dinner because that was one of our first, well, the first time I took her across the state line when she was 17 in 1985. Uh, we went to that Huey's and had dinner. So we were headed there yesterday, and along the, we were almost there. And right there across from Zinni's, I noticed a sign on top of a house, Casablanca Restaurant. And I pointed it out to Ginger, and she said, let's go there. And I said, okay. So we pulled in, and it was cool, super cool place in this old house. Had a patio. We sat outside overlooking Zinni's. She opened up the menu, and the first thing you saw was best tea in Memphis. Ginger really loves tea, so she said, I'm having that, and it is the best tea in Memphis. It's made with ginger, sage, mint, and honey. Oh. 
And it was absolutely fabulous. Yeah, our, our meal was fabulous. She had something traditionally Moroccan. I had the grilled salmon, falapia, and, and um, shrimp over um, Mediterranean vegetables. And uh, that's how we celebrated our anniversary, which is actually today. Um, we took a break in the 80s so I could follow the Grateful Dead around and hitchhike in Europe and whatnot. And seven years ago today... I was hitchhiking from Oxford to Tupelo to Johnny's Drive-In, and in Pontotoc, she saw me, and we've been together ever since. Well, congratulations on your anniversary, Chico. And congratulations for tying those three things together. Very good. That's right. That's a beautiful thing. Thanks for calling. Thanks for being our North Mississippi correspondent, and we will talk to you real soon. Now, Felder. Yes, sir. People like to talk about growing tomatoes. How, how do you fare there? I'm, I'm, I'm not very good at it. Not very you good know, at You it. see people growing tomatoes in just plain dirt yep. and making great tomatoes. I wrote the book, and I can't grow decent tomatoes. Hmm. And when I do, the squirrels get them. Yeah. So, you know, when people say, I have trouble, now that's where I can identify with them because mm-hmm. I know what the problems are. You know, the tomatoes are not that hard to grow, and I, th- I, I think I overthink it. Yeah. Well, you're a thoughtful guy. Well, and I'm I'm lazy too, you know. But I'd rather grow peppers because peppers are easier. You know, there's more vitamins in a pepper cup for cup than in an orange, huh. including vitamin C. And you can freeze peppers when they're a dollar fifty a piece. I got a freezer full of you yeah. know. And tomatoes when they start coming in, everybody's going to give you tomatoes. Well, we um, hope. I hope everybody gives me figs <laughs> this summer because last year I shared with you that, I mean, the birds got all of my uh, figs. Netting, netting. I try to get up early, but netting, is that yeah, what, what I what, what I do is I prune mine. Every year I cut my whatever grew, I cut it back about half, and I treat it like a, like a bush, like you prune shrubs. Uh-huh. And first of all, it has more twigs, more figs, easier to pick, and you can throw a twigs, net over it. More twigs, more figs. Yeah, yeah, you heard it here. What more kind twigs, of more figs. It's, it's just called bird netting. Oh, okay. you know, it's a real lightweight. You, you use clothespins at the bottom because a mockingbird's going to get up under it and get caught in there. But so, anyway, uh, I, I did grow, I grew some potatoes though. And let me give you the simplest recipe for potatoes. This is from Northern England, where they call them ice cream. Northern ice cream is they mean baked potatoes. Uh, you take these these new potatoes, these small ones you just got. You slice them up, you toss them with a little olive oil and some rosemary, and then you roast them mm-hmm. with or without the skin, and they eat it like dessert. Wow. You know, so anyway. They roast them crisp? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But anyway, the, the, I, I enjoy growing hers because so many people, especially want to grow, they want to have children gardening. And children, they want to grow sunflowers and all this stuff. No, you give them some culinary herbs, a pot full of rosemary, oregano, maybe some basil. And the kids can grow them mm. and without having to wait for them to do anything. And then they can have ownership in their meals because everybody can put some oregano and some chili or spaghetti. Have you ever met anybody that couldn't grow mint? Uh, yes. Yeah, me. Here's the deal. When Most people, when they plant mint, it dies, but then it comes up right beside where Correct. they planted it. So my approach is plant it right beside where you want it to grow uh-huh. and let it grow back into it. <laughs> now, you've been out on the road a lot. A you, lot. You've been touring all over doing your... M- uh, MPB. You know, we took it out on the road. You know, we, me and Java and all the, and the foundation folks. And matter of fact, we're going to do another thing Friday in Meridian, down at the Max. Friday, okay. we're doing a live broadcast. For, and I'm going to bring some of these culinary herbs and uh, hope people want to root some of my rosemary. By the way, this rosemary that's growing in the back of my pickup truck, right. it came from a piece of rosemary that was stuck in some mashed potatoes at a restaurant. <laughs> 
as a garnish? Yeah. Have you ever seen people sneaking, you know, out of your restaurant, you know, taking their garnish with them to root? That's how hard it is to grow rosemary. It roots right. in water out right from mashed potatoes to water to the garden. Excellent. Uh, that is, and here, the, here is the uh, what? Great great grandchildren or what yeah was, yeah how many and generations remember? son of rosemary yeah but you know the the fact is herbs herbs are easy to grow they're pretty yep. and you know if you put it by the your front porch you walk by it makes everybody smell better makes my trunk makes smell better. everybody smell better but I I love having them right outside my kitchen door I mean, yeah. like just within a few feet I keep yeah. everything that I normally use and well, then this time yeah. of year. I know that the cilantro is going to die, and my dill yeah. is not is not going to make it. But I love to plant them and you know, early rose, and use them. And your rosemary and oregano are still kicking. They're just kicking. I mean, my sage looks great. My yeah. curl parsley, parsley, flat leaf parsley. The parsley's making flowers already. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's sort of like in the celery family, mm-hmm. and it's pretty. And you can actually eat them. Really? But, yeah. But when yeah. it starts to make the flower, is that the sort of end of the leaf production? Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. That, when, that when you cut it back? Yeah, yeah. And by the way, I've got a friend who grows parsley for, for sale, and they get the caterpillar on there, the wonderful swallowtail. They, they call it parsley worm, beautiful caterpillar. But she used to have to mash them because it was organic. She said, but they smell like parsley, and now she can't eat parsley because it smells like caterpillars. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Well, Felder, we've been following your progression around the state, and it's been really fun for uh, Malcolm and me to hear the food that you and Java has have oh, eaten. We look and for Java real guys. really keeps us, you know, he keeps us posted on what y'all've had, and ooh, oh, it makes us hungry. Dice. You know, you can't go to Natchez without going to Fat Mama's. Yeah, and we were just talking about the uh, Fat Mama's pickle. The pickles. They're fire and ice pickles. Mm. I gave Mal some for his birthday. They are. <laughs> I'm still snacking on them. There yeah. you go. You ever pick Got cucumbers? Got some fire. Yeah, well, no. Yes, I have. But, uh, you know, the, the, it, it's, it's, a little while ago, you're talking about the guy from Tremont talking about picking pickles. On the no, back you, of the you trailer. You pick cucumbers. You make pickles. <laughs> <laughs> well. But all those things are fun, you know. And it's easy. You know, it's fun to mix stuff up. And if you throw a few flowers in with it, you know, some zinnias or, you know, something like that. And even if some, sometimes your tomatoes don't work, you still got other stuff to keep your spirits going. So like you say, the kitchen garden, that potage garden, the mixed garden, mm-hmm. mix stuff up and something's going to make it. Yeah. I, this year I planted uh, marigolds all around the edge of my so-called vegetable garden. Yep. And to me, they smell like dirty socks. <laughs> but, but aren't marigolds good for keeping varmints away? That's a, it's is one, that, is that's, that's a one of the most popular, It's one of the, the most popular myths <laughs> out there. Urban they, myth. They do not work. But you can't say that on the radio because Aunt Mamie's going to call up and say you're an idiot. She's been doing all of her life. But it, it does not work. Uh, it works for Aunt, like Aunt Mamie. may be calling. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Now, there's a term that I learned from you a long time ago by listening to your radio show, The Gestalt Gardener, and that is soaking when people ask you about well, how often do you water? When do you water? And you you t- you tell this you tell the story about how when you water you soak. Yeah, water twice. Water once, come back a few minutes later. The soil is sort of swelled up. You water it a second time, and you can go three times as long between soakings if you really really water well. And that means twice a few minutes apart. Mm. And instead of watering every day, I've got containers the back of my pickup truck. Y'all see my garden oh, yeah. back there? It sits in my driveway all summer. Nobody waters it because when it when it rains here, it really soaks in. But a yeah. good soaking. Yesterday was a great soaking rain. Yep. I put all my potted plants out on the stoop. Better water really, really well every now and then than keep plants wet all the time. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, because then the roots tend to rot. They stay shallow and rot and get diseased, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Anyway, I, I'm not a great gardener. I'm a garden expert, but I've found some stuff that grows really, really well, and uh, and I've been I've been having fun with them. That's the reason I like the culinary herbs. You might be a really j- crappy gardener, but if you got some oregano and basil and, and rosemary, people think you're like... <laughs> a well, gardener. it lifts everything. I mean, last week, uh, you know, the cupboard was pretty bare, and I cooked pasta and threw in some butter and fresh basil yeah. and flat leaf parsley. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was and garlic. And you have gar- to have garlic. And garlic's easy to grow too. You yeah. plant in fall. My, my, I'm, mm. I'm going to harvest my garlic in a week or so. It's starting to turn yellow. Now, tell us about the event once more uh, coming up at the Max. We're going to be broadcast. Java and I are going to be broadcasting live from the Max from downtown Meridian. We start at nine o'clock, so get there before eight thirty. So it's a free event. So come on down, and then we'll we'll sort of talk about gardening. I'll be in there in my pickup truck with the rosemary and oregano growing in the back. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, thank Thanks you for coming so on. much. We appreciate so good it. To see we you. love your show, and we appreciate. We love being your comrade uh, in public radio. <laughs> Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We're produced by, we are funded by the generous contributions from listeners like you, so thank you. Our show is produced by the magnificent Java Chapman. For our co-host, for my co-host, Carol Puckett, and our guests, Chad Phillips and Felder Rushing, I'm Malcolm White. Please stay tuned now for Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. We'll see you every Monday at 9 on Deep South Dining.